As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Well, thanks as always to the Norden Group. Uh, no special guest today, so I'm going to have to try and compensate, be on my A-game today. Um, uh, today's topic is really interesting, and I want to give Dan as much time to get into it. Um, but it's been a, a fairly heavy um, bike world news week. Out of the gates, I don't think there's any, no big races for Maybird this, this last week, right? No, but the one thing I would like to kind of talk about for a sec is as far as like local Maybird goes is the nika season starts this week towards the end of the week officially oh, it does huh yeah mm. and so you know for the coaches out there listening i i just can't thank you enough for for you know you guys have just done such an awesome job of just taking care of things planning opportunities for these kids to to enjoy been super cool i my hope and my wish is that we can continue to do things as maybird groups throughout the summer um, usually that's in the form of longer rides because that's something that NICA teams don't really do. Um, so I'm hoping coaches will plan, you know, either a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever, longer ride with their groups. I think it, you know, I, th I think that's one of my favorite parts about Maybird or the long rides that we do. I'll take groups of kids on long rides, but usually, but I can only take so many. So what I usually end up doing is make them ridiculously long and ridiculously early in the morning to kind of weeds people out. Like kind of weed people out. But yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, that's really, we want to be more inclusive than that, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that the coaches will, you know, you have the freedom to, to plan rides and, you know, and you could keep going the same as you, like my group, I think is going to keep running the same as it. Has. Yeah. The only thing that we try not to do is compete with the Nike groups, you yeah. know, like, so usually we don't plan them on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but is that when most Nike, happens? most Nike rides are Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you can mm -hmm. plan them on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, but I'm hoping to really, really take advantage of weekend rides as much as possible. So, okay. yeah. So if we could do that, I think that would just be so cool to get more kids, more long rides. Excellent. Yeah, I didn't realize. I, for some reason, thought that was way off. But yeah, you're right. That's that is right it's around crazy. the corner. It's huh? just, I mean, the fact that we barely can ride in Park City and just the lower parts of Park City now just means it was a weird, weird season. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be weird having Nika start now with only about half of the trails rideable. Like, I don't know where all these kids are going to go. Weird's an interesting word to apply to that situation. Then I, I was going to say hectic chaotic mm -hmm. world apocalyptic maybe yeah yeah it's gonna be wild i mean there are there've already been some nights this this you know season where like we show up to corner canyon and the andy ballard lot is full 
which is an enormous lot. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Really terrifying. But um, yeah, of course, thanks to everybody. Um, I know it's been a challenging season, you know, with the weather and whatnot. You know, it kind of feels like a an abridged version of what we usually get from, from Maybird, where we weren't able to start until what, like April? Yeah. So... But yeah, I think I think keep on going. I've I've still got so much stuff I want to do with my boys. I didn't even realize that was was, uh, was this week. So, huh. Anyway, in the, in the broader world, I'm trying not to think about this whole how you know how the trails are going to be over the next few weeks when Nike is starting to distract myself from that. I do um, uh, need to take a moment. We're not going to do a quiz today because I want to give Dan as much time as possible for this interesting topic, and because I, I have a, a a lot of bike world news. Um, uh, the Giro. Uh, finished today, um, as is the case with with the Grand Tours in the modern era. The last stage is is rarely a competition for the overall. Usually, the overall is decided the day before, and there's kind of a gentleman's agreement that like you know the last day is sort of a procession. Let the marketing people get their their photo shoot. You know, like the whole team, the winning team. Um, you know, will like line up across the road and go arm in arm and drink champagne, and you know, like uh, there's fireworks and everything. Um, and then there will be a real sprint at the end, but, but the, the GC is decided the day before. And, um, I'll, I'll try to do this in under three minutes. How about that? You're fine. Okay. <laughs> so this year's Giro, if you didn't watch it, was supposed to be the Remco Evnipol show. Uh, Remco Evnipol is, is our current men's elite road world champion. He is younger than me. <laughs> I think he's 22 or 23. I think he's, I think he's 23. He was born in 2000. Um, uh, He's the next big thing. I think he and Pogacar are going to be the two era-defining riders um, for, for where we are right now. And uh, Remco Evenepoel shows up. Who is the previous era-defining riders? Just I don't know if there was one. I, I think that we kind of went from... I, I'd say Chris Froome is the closest that I could get, winning the Tour four times over. Mm. I would say maybe Chris Froome and Peter, Peter Sagan, Sagan okay. would be the That's two who, Those are the two I was going to say. I just, yeah, and then there's kind of been like a sort of in-between where Froome and Sagan kind of fell off. And then I think it was all about, and it, this this isn't over, but I think it was mostly defined by the Mathieu van der Poel, Wout van Aert kind oh, of like, that's true, yeah. you know, those guys coming into the road and, and making their mark. But now we have, we have Pogacar and we have Evenepoel. Uh, both are very young. Both are already, you know, uh, Grand Tour winners. Um, anyway, Remco Evenepoel rocks up to this Euro. First stage is a time trial and he dominates. He, he you know, he's not a huge guy. Uh, he beat former time trial world champion Filippo Ghana on his home turf on a perfect course for Ghana by like was 30 seconds or something crazy like that blew him out of the water goes into the pink jersey totally dominant riding for the first week I was almost kind of bummed because I'm like this is going to be a pretty boring race you know Evanipol the team will probably deliberately let him lose the pink jersey you know to keep the pressure off you know the mountains come in the third week of of the race you know kind of get it back there Um, a week into the Giro, there's the second time trial, and Evenepoel wins again, but only by a second over Gary and Thomas, and everyone is surprised. And and they're looking at this 23 year old kid, and he looks like death. He's getting off the bike. He's pale. He's like flush. Um, and everybody's kind of saying like, is he sick? What's wrong? And and it comes out that he's tested positive for for COVID, right? And really interesting stuff reading into it. You know, talking about like how the riders are, are vaccinated and everything, but vaccines work with immune systems, and these riders basically don't have immune systems when they're doing like Grand Tour. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I was reading an interview with a former pro where he was like, you know, um, they lock you in your hotel even before COVID. They're like, don't interact with people, don't go out, don't go out to get food, stay here, do not get sick. If you get sick, you'll get really sick. You won't be able to race. You know, like these are they're kind of 
they're medically fragile when they're doing this, right? Because they're doing six, eight hours a day, every single day for three weeks, right? And so, of course, the team decides uh, we're going to pull Remco out. We don't want to destroy him for the rest of the season. Um, uh, um, pulls Remco out, and then it becomes a three-way battle between Gary and Thomas, 2018 tour winner, um, Primos Roglic on Yumbo Visma, um, three-time winner of the Vuelta. He's the guy that almost won the tour when Pogacar won for the first time. And then uh, Portuguese up-and-comer, João Almeida. Um, really good three-way battle between all those guys. Basically, Gary and Thomas looked set to win. He had been the strongest. Um, Almeida kind of dropped off. It kind of became a, a Thomas-Ruglic battle. And Ruglic had struggled in the first week. He was about he was almost 30 seconds down on, on, on Gary and Thomas, and I fully expected Thomas to win. And then on the last stage, the time trial, um, really interesting time trial where the first half was pan flat and the second half was really, really, really steep. So they do a bike swap. So a lot of these riders do a bike and even a helmet swap where they'll, they'll get off their time trial bike, hop onto their climbing bike, maybe even try to throw on a different helmet and then go finish about a 45 minute long time trial, like solo race, right? And Roglic, um, well, how about this? We'll incorporate a quiz into it. What interesting and somewhat controversial bit of technology did Primoz Roglic uh, use on his climbing bike? Oh, was it a one-by? It was a one-by. Yeah. He used the SRAM Red uh, Explorer drivetrain, which is kind of a gravel bike thing, just to give him um, uh, like like a, like an easier, easiest gear, essentially, uh, than you could get with a, a conventional two-by system. And he actually used it the day before in a summit finish as well. And I, I, I'm sure SRAM marketing was very excited about this you know, kind of pushing one by on the road again. They've, they've tried this a number of times. And Ruglish is crushing. He's, he's got 26 seconds to make up in Gary and Thomas. Halfway up the climb, he's basically matched him. And everyone's like, dude, Primoz Ruglish is going to win the Giro on the last day. This is crazy. Then he hits a pothole <laughs> and drops the chain. And he gets off his bike, doesn't know how to put the chain back on. It's like, it took about 17 seconds. The car came behind. I think they got him a new bike, got him on, awkward bike change, push him up the hill. He keeps going. And I'm listening to this as I'm driving to my ride yesterday, like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. He's brought it back. He's going to win the Giro. And then, oh my gosh, he just let the Giro slip out of his fingers. And then I keep listening and they're like, the pace this guy is on is unbelievable. He went on to beat Gary and Thomas by, like, beat him. Wow. by like over 30 seconds. So without, without this mechanical, he would have been like a minute up, right? So if you're SRAM, in SRAM HQ now, you're trying to decide like, is this the best or the worst thing that's ever happened to us in, as, as the marketing department, right? Because like he did go and win the Giro in dramatic fashion on a one by drivetrain, but, but they dropped the chain, which is like I never drop chains. That's right. So... I'm like that. That's crazy. How did you manage to do that? Primo Sorglicio has a, a history of being very crashy. Um, the, the joke is he crashes about once a week in a Grand Tour, and he's lost several by you know like mm -hmm. weird, dumb mistakes and stuff like that. But really entertaining race and i have to say that the coolest part of it for me has been what a gentleman gary and thomas was about it because like losing a grand tour on the last day where everyone thought it was kind of a sure thing that you'd win um is is rough and he's kind of getting into the tail end of his career and he was 37 which is old in the world of professional cycling um but he's been very magnanimous congratulating ruglich and everything saying he's like i'm devastated but like this guy earned it obviously the stronger man on the day um and then on, on the final stage today, there's a really cool moment where uh, another veteran of the sport from, from the UK, Mark Cavendish, who you've heard of as, as a sprinter. Oh, yeah. Mark Cavendish is in his final year. He announced his retirement during the Giro this year. And his big season goal with his new team is to break the all-time stage win record at the Tour de France. He and Eddie Merckx are tied, I believe, at 30 stages each. 
Um, if he wins a stage at this year's tour, he is the winningest rider in the history of the Tour de France, which is a pretty big deal. And the Giro has gone badly for him. Uh, lots of crashes, hasn't won a sprint yet. Really has kind of underperformed. And um, he and Gary and Thomas were teammates on Team Sky back in like 2012. And um, uh, Gary and Thomas on his podcast predicted that um, he's like, you know, I think I think Mark's going to pull it out. He's going to get the final, the biggest sprint stage win in Rome after three weeks and everything, right? And there's a really cool moment today where Prima, where um, uh, Gary and Thomas went and let out Mark Cavendish, who's on another team, you know, like didn't have to do it, but gave him a lead out. And Mark Cavendish went on to win the sprint in in Rome. So. Lots of cool stories to come out of the tour of uh, the Giro this year. I'd, I'd say go back and watch a little bit of it. Um, the tour is coming right up. It's only a few weeks away. Grand Tour spectating is really fun. Um, uh, go get a VPN and watch it on uh, GCN Plus. I've, I've kind of found is the, is the best way to do it uh, here in the U.S. Um, but yeah, really interesting stuff. That's cool. It's been a good dramatic, huh. dramatic Giro. Lots so has there been any, like any World Cup action that we need to be aware of? Or? Nope, no. Uh, there was a French Cup yesterday that Josh Debau won. The guy who uh, went head-to-head with uh, Pidcock got second place to Pidcock at the World Cup. So okay. kind of definitely could be a World Cup winner. Um, proved that that wasn't a one-off. So that's another fun name to kind of throw in the mix. And, and we'll be able to see if he uh, has some lasting power in two weeks at Lenzerheide as the next uh, cross-country World Cup. So... Keep an eye out for that. Um, I think, how do we decide is, is the best way to watch that? I was just going to ask you that question. I think it's just, I think GCN plus and get a VPN, get a VPN. So Don Hanks told me like to get a V because like, like people have heard of VPNs a little bit and stuff for like cybersecurity or other stuff. I'm not smart enough to understand, but it's been awesome. I'm paying like 10 or so bucks a month. I, I, you probably use any of them. I'm using like 10 bucks a month and I can watch like Top Gear and stuff now in the US. Like it's, I don't know why everyone doesn't pay for one. Um, so it's just like making your computer think it's in England or something? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, um, and like Netflix this week, everyone's talking about like Netflix is cracking down where you can't passcode share anymore. And it makes sure that all of your devices are actually in the same household. Um, and you can just get a VPN. And, and like mm. jump around it. So I would say um, get a VPN and then watch on GCN Plus. That does seem to be the most centralized hub to watch all of your racing on. Um, works pretty reliably. Commentary is pretty good. And you can, and you can watch the World Cups. So yeah, that's that's how I've been doing it. Okay. I don't know if there's a better way, but I think if you want to watch any bike racing, you may as well get the one um, that can do everything. So watch World Cups. I know we've we've said that before, but like watch pros. Oh, absolutely, they yeah. are so educated. Just watching what they do and kind of mimicking it because we have some riders that like i love watching because they kind of look like pros as they ride you can just say and my it, name dan it's okay, okay. You, know. you know and i you know and I, I think that that's kind of a good way to do it it's just kind of watch i mean they do you see some beautiful hinging when you watch a world yep. cup and oh yeah and, and a lot of you know, it's like the best place to learn tactics and so forth yeah oh 100 so, percent. yeah watch world cups i don't know should we make that like mandatory We'll like randomly ask people about World Cups. It and should be, but I don't really watch them. I, Dan, I used to, and I, I watch the highlights and stuff. We, we need to do like like Super Bowl parties, except they're like cycling Super Bowl parties. Yeah. You like drink Lacroix and eat veggie trays. <laughs> um, today's topic is interesting. Dan couldn't help himself. We were having lunch yesterday, and Dan was telling me um, his kind of introductory thoughts on this. But this is this is a scourge. This is this has probably been the thing that has 
held you back the most? And a lot of you, I think, will listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, I've never felt more seen. And a lot of you will be like, what are you talking about? I've never had this before. It's kind of an interesting. You, you know, the thing is, though. I'm burying the leads so deep. Is, is this is something that affects some people but doesn't affect other people. Yeah. But the unfair thing about it is the treatment will benefit everybody regardless. Right. You know, so. Right, right, right. So I think if this doesn't apply to you, you should listen anyway. Because uh, like doesn't apply to me. I'm in that camp. This very much applies to Which is to fascinating. Them. Yeah. Which and in fact, great. our lunch yesterday was just, we had the best conversation and I'm kind of like, man, I just wish we were recording that conversation. I know, right? Because, yeah. So we haven't even introduced the topic yet, have we? No, I've, I'm, it's called burying the lead, I guess. Okay, so I, I get introduced. Okay. Yes. So the topic is is very near and dear to my heart. It's something I've got. And, and I'm going to try to not interject too much bias because... Okay. You know, because I definitely have some strong opinions on this subject because okay. it affects me so much. But the, this, the okay. topic's cramping. Cramping. And I was, you know, this is something that I wanted to spend a lot of time on and do something really in-depth on and do a lot of research on. And I decided this this is something we're going to talk about several times. because. And today I think we're going to do kind of more quick overview stuff. And then I think we might dive into some of the other stuff a little deeper later. But I've actually had a lot of kids and a lot of writers questioning about cramping right now because right now is kind of cramping season. You know, they tend to happen more earlier in the season than later yep. in the season, you know, for, for kind of obvious reasons that we'll talk about. But I've had a lot of kids dealing with cramping, so I did, I did just kind of want to address it and talk about it. Really quick, like define terms, you say cramping, because we talk about stomach cramps, people say, oh, my leg's cramping up. Like it, it's one of those, we use it pretty loosely. Okay. What is cramping so, mean specifically for us today? To, today we're talking about um, exercise-associated muscle cramping, which is EAMC. Dan read that off his notes. Just okay. like, well, oh. I didn't want to mess it up. Okay, yeah. I was like, don't. I always want to. I always want to call it, you just know. No, I always want to call it exercise-induced muscle cramping, but that doesn't. Yeah, as so, opposed to like what? So it's exercise-associated muscle cramping, mm, okay. and, and that is cramps that happen while you're exercising that wouldn't happen otherwise. Okay. You know, like cramping during the night is something totally different. Um, if you're cramping during the day with you're not exercising, that's concerning and and not very, great. Not great. <laughs> and See, very different. This is something that affects otherwise healthy people. Okay. And it only happens while they're exercising. And really quick, like, what is a cramp? Because I hear people say, like, on the back, oh, I'm cramping. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I think you mean your legs are sore. Cramping isn't soreness. That's a very good, because I think a lot of people do kind of think if their legs get really, really tired or sore. They're cramping. That's not a cramp. But what cramping is, it's an involuntary but very painful contraction of a muscle that doesn't relax. Okay. And it's like, if you're wondering if you've had one or not, you haven't. You haven't. It's like if you're wondering if your arm's broken, it's not kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Where people are like, oh, is my arm broken? I'm like, you'd know. Like you, you, yeah, there's no ambiguity when it's happening. You're pretty darn sure. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely, extremely painful. And like when I, and, and I'm a cramper, it's, mm-hmm. it's a big deal for me. And when I'm getting a cramp, like if, if you look at one of my muscles, like if I'm getting a calf cramp, yeah. if you look at my calf, it almost looks like an invisible finger is, yeah. is pushing in yep. and making like an, in, an indentation on my calf that's like an inch deep. Yeah. 
and it's like a very serious, very acute, very specific thing. It's not my legs feel bad. That's and not it's really, really painful. It does go away. Yep. But if I do have an event where I cramp, it it delays recovery for about a week. Like my, my oh, muscle yeah. is damaged for about a week after it cramps. So it's like point to point this year. Um, you got stuck basically at one of the. It, it was I think it, was, it wasn't at a feed. It was up at the yurt. I think where you got stuck because you cramped, right? And you're like, I can't, I can't go. Like, there's nothing I can, you know, I'm, I'm stuck. There's here. not much you can do. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's very painful, and it really ends the race. I mean, it, for me, like for me, cramping is my biggest limiting factor as a cyclist. Like, honestly, like I, I rarely get to a point where I bonk, because I usually cramp before I can bonk. <laughs> okay. And, and I've, I've found some ways to deal with it that have helped a lot. And we'll talk about those in a second, but it's, it's always been so frustrating because even for me, like, like bonking is interesting. Cause like I have bonked before and, and when you bonk, it's kind of like, you just can't push any pressure on power on the pedals. It's like you, your brain turns off and you just want to, you want to eat a thousand calories right then. And you like, know, and you can just barely go. It sounds, it yeah. sounds like your motor is just firing on like one yep. cylinder. Your body and, goes into limp home mode. Yeah. But cramping, and this is for me, it may be different for other people, but for me, like I will be running hot and yeah. just flying up a hill, feeling pretty good, keeping yep. up with people. And then all of a sudden I start to feel a little Bam. twitch. Yep. And then I usually know what that twitch means. That twitch means a cramp's coming on. And right. then, but it, it'll happen when I'm putting down really, really good power and in, in performing well. Is it always that way? Or does it sometimes happen at the end of a ride where you're feeling crappy? Or is it like associated with going too hard? Or it is, is, is and it that, random? It, it, well, we'll talk about like when it happens because it really, there really are some like, conditions that really kind of create the the situation where cramp can occur right, right, right. Um, but yeah usually it happens during a race for me okay um, or a really hard effort right maybe oh. Ooh, or, okay we'll, we'll bear that lead to so in fact i learned along what that question you just asked me i learned something that just like blew my mind just okay. as i was researching this that i really want to do more research on but okay um there was something new i learned about cramping that i thought was was really interesting. So, but, but off the top, really quick, just to jump in, cramping is caused by being really dehydrated, not having enough electrolytes, and if you drink a pickle juice thing, it fixes it. How close am I? Yeah. Well, you know, about 15 years ago, you would have been really close, right? Because that's what everybody thinks, right? Is like, like, oh no, you're 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 dehydrated. You don't have enough electrolytes in your bloodstream. Um, get rehydrated. Drink the pickle juice or whatever it is, or vinegar or whatever people want to do, and then. And then you'll be fine. Like that is conventional Gatorade science cramping 101 there, right? Yeah. And that, that's been believed for hundreds of years. And, you know. Hun hundreds of years? Okay, hundred years. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's actually George that. Washington out there one day. Like, <laughs> we, we would have won today, but, you know, it was cramping up. Okay, for maybe, it's been around, that theory's been around the for a long time. The pickle juice shipment got dumped into the and, Boston Harbor. And that theory's been kind of tossed aside. I think there's there's some validity to it, but it's not, yeah. You know, I mean, so let me just put it bluntly. Like dehydration is not the cause of cramping, mm. but it may be a factor. It's associated with cramping. It's, it might. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so really there's, well, let me first explain before. So there's two different theories on cramping, two main theories. Um, but first, before I explain those two theories, let me just talk about really quickly 
how a muscle actually contracts and relaxes. And I want to mm. dive more deeply into this. I'm just going to go super quick into this because I think it's important to understand. Um, but you have what's called an al- what's called alpha motor neurons okay. that will signal a spindle in the muscle to contract. And it, it uses electrolytes to, to do this. These electrolytes are like neurotransmitters that make this this chemically possible and some of those chemical or some of those those electrolytes are like calcium magnesium potassium sodium um, they all have to be present for this okay. to work properly okay okay um, once so that that your muscle gets that signal to contract it has to have another mechanism to cause it to relax it won't just relax on its own and that's called the golgi tendon organ the, go- the Golgi, G-O-L-G-I, tendon organ. Golgi or- tendon organ? Yeah. And that's the, that basically is responsible for causing, for switching off that contraction and causing the muscle to relax. So in, like in cramping, basically what happens is you'll get this involuntary muscle contraction where the Golgi tendon organ is malfunctioning and won't turn so off that only one half of the equation is working only the contract side is working the relaxed side isn't yeah isn't working, and, right? and the and the contract side's working erroneously it's like not right. working properly so okay. so that's kind of that you know so that's how muscle contracts you get the signal to contract to shorten the muscle and then a signal that relaxes the muscle and you know normally that works just fine um but when when you cramp that's not working properly and so there's there's two different theories the old theory that that's and i think even a lot of people probably still believe this today i mean a lot of industries are based on this theory yeah. being true you know yeah. and, um and and it, so basically that theory is is the dehydration theory where you right. have there's 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 fluid in your cells it's called interstitial fluid and when you dehydrate that fluid is drawn into the bloodstream, into the blood vessels, which causes these, um, it basically causes these nerve endings to be damaged and deformed and causes them to kind of um, just be overexcited, basically, which causes the muscle to cramp. Okay. Okay, so that was kind of the old theory. It's It's pretty generally accepted that that's not necessarily the case. It can be. And I mean, the, the, and the thing is what a lot of people kind of say is like, if that were, to, if you were dehydrated enough for that to happen and, and that you were, you know, your, your electrolytes were that much in, not in balance, you, your cramping would be more generalized rather than just a local, like your whole body. Yeah. Local exercising muscle cramping. Okay. So, so, um, the the theory that's more that's far more widely accepted nowadays was was developed by um, Dr. Martin Schwellness. His last name is Schwellness. Schwellness, yeah. And he had the motivation to go and become a doctor, even with that name. It's a cool name. He that's and he's incredible. he's probably like the world's foremost expert on cramping. Gosh, if my name was Schwellness, I'd just. I just like, that's enough, man. What else do you even need? You have to go be a doctor at that point. Ooh, try hard. Jeez. Okay. So, so what he's, what he discovered was that fatigue for whatever reason, um, creates over excitation in that, in that alpha motor neuron, which is the, 
the thing that, that signals our muscles to contract. And, and it starts sending erroneous signals from the spinal cord to the muscle, causing it to just be overexcited. And we don't know why. No, not really. Okay. We know, we know certain factors that can contribute to it, but we don't actually know why that happens. Um, he, like the way he put it is abnormal muscle control is the ultimate cause of cramping. Okay. Which to me it's is almost like, like cramping is the cause of cramping. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, That's kind okay. of what I thought. I'm it's like, probably the truest statement yeah. scientifically, but it kind of just indicates like, the level yeah. of, of, you know, That's exactly what I thought that cramping is the cause of cramping. cramping. Yeah. You know? so, okay. Um, yeah. So, so like, so I guess the confusion, yeah. Dehydration is, is not, the cause of cramping. In some cases, dehydration may be associated with cramping is probably... Ex exactly. Like you have to kind of lawyer speak that to make that true, right? Yeah. Okay. The thing that we're not sure about is, and we're going to talk about like a lot of the different factors that causes people to cramp, um, but you and I, like I have a lot of, I, I kind of check the, the boxes of a lot of reasons that people would cramp, but you check those same boxes yeah. that I would check. You know I mean? We're built somewhat the same. We're both salty sweaters. And I have... Oh, am I blushing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a major cramper and you haven't cramped. Well, I have, I have cramped in my life before, but it was before I was a cyclist. Um, when I was maybe 10 or 11, I was laying on the couch and I cramped, my leg cramped. And that's, that's not what we're talking about. Right. No, so that's, that, not, that's different. That's right? not EAMC. I've, so that's, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I've had... I mean, I have had like events on the bike where my... It's, it's like... I don't, it's, I don't know if it's... It's maybe very mild cramping that I've had before in, in like a couple of races, but I don't think I've had like proper, you can see something poking into my leg cramping. So, yeah. and that's what they really don't know is what it actually is that makes me cramp. Um, and why you don't. Yeah. Cause I'd love to buy whatever you're taking to, right. to get rid of this. I mean, cause they're, they're I would basically, be a completely different cyclist if I didn't have to worry about cramping. Okay. Well, you're writing kind of big checks there, but, um, so basically there, there are big holes in the science right now. Like we don't know the, the why we don't know the, the mechanism. We don't know the cause, yeah. but we know that there are certain conditions that are associated. Like you said, fatigue. So fatigue is kind of the most popular. If we had to point at a main cause, that's where the literature is pointing right now. Yeah. Fatigue's probably the biggest one. Okay. And the way I kind of think of it is it's almost like for every person it's different what okay. makes them cramp it's in and i almost think of it like as like a recipe hmm. like certain things need to be in place like in the presence of these certain conditions you're you probably going to cramp. cramp okay yeah so and and so yeah so whatever your combination of those different certain things are could make it more likely for you to cramp um so let me just we'll just talk about some of the common factors that could cause cramping uh the first one is just underlying medical conditions. Oh, okay. Um, like if you have like an underactive thyroid. Oh, interesting. You know, that's greatly going to affect your metabolism within your muscles and it's going to cause, it's going to cause cramp. Like people with thyroid issues have. So hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism. Yeah. Okay. Um, have more issues with cramping. I actually have an underactive thyroid because I'm cool. And that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> but Actually, I had a laugh track <laughs> thyroid joke. That's the only time we ever have a laugh track on this whole podcast. But yeah, so I do have an underactive thyroid that's the, you know, I t it's, it's pretty easy to treat. You know, there's just a medication that you take for it. Um, 
that is a synthetic thyroid hormone that hormone hormone <laughs> hormone that does that does help so um there's also like like if you have diabetes um oh really circulation issues oh like rear nodes yeah sure okay I don't know. all right no um, I, I had a buddy that had that okay <laughs> and you know but these underlying medical conditions don't might not qualify your cramps as being EAMC, you know, because so EAMC is a specific subset of cramps. Yeah, right? it's, like, it's cramps. like if you have no other issues, but you're cramping when you're on the bike, it's EAMC. But if if um, but a lot of a lot of times, I would say if you are a cramper, I would go have some blood work done and be evaluated evaluated by your your doctor because. Okay. You know, it might be an indication of some uh, like a bigger problem, or, okay. or you know, if it's a thyroid issue, like an easy problem to to treat. I've heard a lot of people go to the doctor hoping they have a thyroid issue because you just take a pill and a bunch of weird issues go away, right? <laughs> like, um, but okay, and, and so like again, like, but actually no, Joe's oh. going to take that. Nobody wants thyroid issues. Yeah, it, okay. it doesn't help you at all. Okay, it's you bad know, news. You know what I, I meant, Dan? But but I, I'm interested. So like, I, I want to go back to the like. There's cramps, and then what was it? EAM EAMC. So is, like, is, EAMC is Foothill and cramps are Salt Lake. Like, if you live in Foothill, you live in Salt Lake, but not everyone who lives in Salt Lake lives in Foothill. Kind of a thing. It's like a smaller circle inside the bigger circle. And like, if you're cramping because of circulation well, issues, that's so different. But there's a whole bunch of different types of cramps. We're specifically talking about the ones that are a result of exercising very hard. Okay. Um, Medical conditions can also cause cramps, but but like like people with these underlying medical conditions are probably more likely to cramp than normal people. Oh, to have so I was cramps. Yeah, okay. so if if you are experiencing cramping on the bike, I would definitely talk to a doctor and have some blood work done. And maybe especially if it's like in a not particularly stressful non-race scenario where you're well hydrated and you're cramping. That's even still, I think okay. it might be good to just get checked out and kind of rule some of these things out. You know? Okay. Um, you know, getting, getting medical evaluations is always a good idea right. when you're an athlete and, um, especially with a doctor that understands that you're an athlete and that you're training and, and so forth. You so. might have to, like, not all doctors understand cycling. Just throw that out there. And if you find one that does work, work with them, mm -hmm. you know, like don't let her go. If you yeah. find one who's like, who I have, I've had to explain that to doctors so many times. They're like, Oh, you're trying to exercise like 60 minutes a day. I'm like, well, no, no like, it's more so like three hours a day. <laughs> look at my Strava, you know, anyway, but yeah. Okay, so that's the first factor is underlying medical conditions. Right. The second one can be, you know, if, if you have a, a muscle that's like damaged or injured, okay. it can be more susceptible to cramping. Um, genetics is a huge one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, ge some people are just more genetically pre... pre, pre <laughs> stick the land again. Predisposed... Pre <laughs> Predisposed. The title of this episode is going to be, are you predisposed to cramping? Predisposed. I gave you like so much time to think about that. I was like, I was like being a douchebag, like, come on, stick the landing, Dan. And then you didn't stick the Can landing. Can we please erase that? No, you know the rules. You know the rules, Dan. Oh, man. So, um, did I say genetics? Yes, I just. Yep. Yep. Okay. You said it right before you said predisposed. Writing this down. Hang on, just a sec. Okay, so like like some people are more like people that are more fast twitch dominant tend to okay. be more predisposed to cramping. There we go. 
It's one, one of those other words I have a hard time saying, but one of one of many. One of many. This is interesting because we've always thought that I'm maybe more fast twitch dominant than you are, but you're the cramper and I'm not. Which is weird. It's weird that you don't cramp because like you, I should. Right? You should. You check all the boxes. Right. Um, like a lot of times, American football players tend to cramp a lot because they're mostly fast twitch oh, athletes. You know, and um, yeah. So, and, and and I think the fast twitch muscles tend to cramp more than slow twitch is as far as I understand. But interesting. Um, so like, do boxers get cramps in their, in their arms? Like, like this is localized to whatever area you're using. Well, right? Like an interesting one. A lot of it has to do with like the position you're in too. Oh, because really? like, um, like if you were just to like flex a muscle for like an unusually extended amount of time, it would eventually probably cramp. Um, like I've heard that like triathlon swimmers, get cramps in their feet because of the angle of their legs when they're swimming. Like, so it's oh. common for them to get foot cramps while they're swimming. Oh really? Yeah. So weird. Add that to my list. So of like, yeah, biomechanics is kind of a, an interesting part of, hmm. so those are all factors, but, but like we mentioned, probably the, the biggest factor that most of us, if we cramp during exercise is, is fatigue. Okay. So you're not cramping at the beginning of a ride. Does that, does that ever happen? Never like at the, the beginning of a ride. Of race, it's always in lap three or four, right? Yeah. Never at the beginning of a ride. It's usually after about an hour of okay. a really hard workout, I'll start to cramp. So the reason most of us cramp during exercise ultimately comes down to fatigue. Okay. But fatigue is huge. Like, and there's a whole bunch of factors which influence fatigue. Right, right, right. So, so yeah. Because fatigue is one of those things you'd have to, we could do a whole episode on what, what does fatigue mean? When we say fatigue, like, you know, is that like you've just finished sprinting really hard for five minutes or is, is it different fatigue when you've been going for five hours? Like, yeah, fatigue's huge. And a lot of these, and like we said before, you know, it's usually a combination or like I say, a recipe of these things combined, these conditions combined that would cause someone like myself to cramp. Okay. Um, the first one is probably the biggest one is basically your muscles just aren't up to the task. You know, your okay. training is insufficient. You're for trying to what? cash a check that is going to bounce. Exactly. I don't know. I'm, I'm too young to have ever used checks. I hope that's how it works. <laughs> but yeah, like your, your you, card's declining, right? It, yeah. If you're trying to do a race like crusher on three hours a week of training, it's probably not going to go well. Right, right, right. Okay. You know, if you're trying to do a, an eight-hour race, but you've only ever ridden three hours, you know, you're probably going to cramp. Like, you're not a cramper, but if you did unbound gravel, you would probably have your first cramp, you know. Probably, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, you just, if your training is 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 insufficient for what you're trying to do. Okay. That's that's probably one of the biggest ones. Can we say you're probably going to cramp when that happens or just more likely? Like if I was, if you chucked me into Unbound right now, is it like I, almost I think, a certain thing? I, you know, I don't know, but I kind of think that like we all kind of have a threshold to cramp and hmm. some people just have a higher threshold and usually end up bonking before they cramp. I don't right, know. Right, that's, right. But so yeah, so that's the first one. The next one would be kind of... Um, just unsustainable pacing. Oh, okay. You know, if you're, you're, you're basically just kind of going above and beyond what you're capable of doing, you know, and that usually happens in like a race type situation. Right. And 
which I guess that's kind of the same kind of the same thing trying to write a check you can't yeah no that's not checks working on so um, another huge one and and this one's I've heard that this one's been really kind of life-changing for some cyclists that have had cramping issues is just low glycogen Uh, bunk bunking basically right uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Just, um, just if their glycogen stores aren't up to snuff before an event, they're just basically trying to do too much with too little available energy. That's a, a huge factor in cramping. Um, you know, one for me is is heat. You know, I, I was thinking about it. I've never really cramped on a day that was below eighty degrees. Is that because of sweating or? Or is it like some other effect that heat's having on you? You know, I don't know. I think it's just part of the recipe. Interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, heat's a huge one. Now, now this next one is where my bias kind of is going to come into play. Because okay. so Dr. Martin Schwellness. Um, I cannot get over how cool that name is. It's <laughs> so awesome. You know, he basically said that. His, uh, I'm, I'm trying to quote his exact words as I, I can, as, as best I can, but that the salt tablets um, have absolutely no evidence of being effective or something like that. So you are a salt tablet guy. I am a salt. And, and I've been aware of the new science on cramping for a long time. And so for, for 10 years or something, for a long time, I would... I would just kind of drink water and not do anything really fancy, but like, like an hour into hard ride, I, it's like, I could almost just count on cramping almost every single time I rode. Yeah. You know, and like, like I would feel like the twitching coming off and I'm up time to back it down. But like anytime it was a somewhat hard workout that went over an hour, I would almost cramp, you know? Hmm. And, but then I had, it got to a point where it was like, ruining me on like hard group rides and, and, and especially on races, like that was my number one governing factor on a race was I had to kind of throttle back so I wouldn't cramp. And I was reading in a, tra- a training peaks article and the, a coach was, was like, you know, he's like, I acknowledge the science says that, you know, really cramping is not because of low electrolytes and, and hydration. It's, you know, but he's but the guy writing the article is basically like you know, if you are a salty sweater, give it a try and see if it helps. Hmm. You know, so he's kind of acknowledging that that this is kind of an old fashioned school of thought, but it he, does seem to have some. It real does world. seem to to have some real real rear wool. It does seem to have some real real. Oh my gosh, I can't say that. Are you are real you, world applications? Are you predisposed to real world <laughs> applications? <laughs> <laughs> that never gets old. Oh okay. So, man, if I was good at this, this wouldn't be as much fun, right? Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's fun punching down. Um, yeah. So, because so like, I, the, like the science, this isn't this isn't like like science isn't is is, is like on a spectrum of quality, right? So we've always said before, sports science is not pharmaceutical science. It's not astrological or astronomical science. It's like this isn't NASA. This is some poor underpaid grad student or something doing research where it's like, you know, I, I think a lot of the things you might hear, like there is science that's just this, but in the real world, if salt tablets well, help, like, yeah, you know. I, I think that they just, um, and, and this might just be for me. Okay. You know, 
But I, I actually tried after reading this training peaks article, I started using salt, salt tablets and, you know, drinking scratch and using salt tablets on, on hot, sunny days. And honestly, since then I can think of about two or three times where I've had cramping issues. Hmm. So for me, it was like, it's a, it's a no duh. It's like a no a duh. Very obvious. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was a huge benefit. And for a lot of salty sweaters that I know, they they say the same thing right right right. you know so and that might just be us and it might just be a few people i know but for me it was a like calling it a game changer is an understatement right and you know um and i i don't think that i i think that the traditional theory of dehydration i don't think that's correct where i do think that what was happening for me is me becoming dehydrated was causing premature fatigue the fatigue was causing the cramping okay you know so it it still is a cause it's just an indirect cause okay but you know since i've been hydrating better you know using scratch and salt tablets as needed is like it's kind of a win-win because like it improves my performance and it it what are you laughing this is this is so fun this is a benchmark for the podcast because for the first time ever we've basically said ignore the science try this game-changing supplement like <laughs> i'm like every other like 20 something dude with a podcast telling you to like oh, okay well this is just some, me and you know you can use any brand of salt tablet and like and if you, you use code dan 20 you get 20 percent <laughs> off these salt no this tablets. is just my personal experience and 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 i i admitted that i have a lot of bias here just because of what I've experienced. You Next know? week we'll be telling you about how if you put like slices of raw potato inside your sock, it'll like detox your feet or something. Oh, and there's some crazy remedies out there. I'll talk about those in Ooh, a okay. sec. But, okay. but no, I, I was saying that the, the dehydration theory, I think it's more that not being adequately hydrated makes you fatigue quicker, makes you fatigue quicker. And, and that's more because of like plasma volume loss, you know, where I'm a sal- where I'm a salty sweater. Okay. You know, we talked about this before okay. where, you know the the interstitial fluid doesn't oh, I hate doesn't it when you use big words and pretend you know what they mean Dan. doesn't flow back into your blood vessels okay. and for me it, it it doesn't okay so i think that that being low on you know low on blood plasma volume will affect circulation it'll cause premature fatigue and so indirectly dehydration can lead to cramping in my case right and pro in a, in a lot of other salty sweaters too that i know okay um, so, but again, really interesting that I'm a super salty sweater. This does not, happen that does to not happen to Joe. It, yeah. It'd yeah. be cool if there was like enough money in this for there to be like actual real science. We could finally, no, there is actual this. real science. Well, I don't mean like actual real science, but like, again, like there's, there's sciences exists on a spectrum, right? You know, where this is, there's well, a lot of unknowns because not a ton of people. Dedicated I, I think the reason, this, right? I think they, people have, I mean, I know of at least a couple doctors that this is all that they've really, that really? this has been their specialty. Dr. Schwellness is one of them. Hmm. There's another guy from BYU. I forget his name. Really? It's like, a, like the other world's foremost expert on, they're, he's they're, like he's like, like in a, Michigan now or something, but he did his undergrad. Oh, Michigan poached him for their cramping program. <laughs> they do like cramping panels together, where like no one's there. <laughs> so you know, cramped so, on the way there. And and he too has kind of said that yeah, like hydration will basically lead to fatigue, which causes cramping. So, right. Okay. Um, but yeah, but the, the the really interesting thing is why I cramp and you don't. That's that would be really yeah. interesting. I think maybe someone should study us. Yeah, there we go. Should we offer ourselves up for that? I, I'd do it for science. I'd be a great, science. 
No, I'd be a great person to study for cramping because you kind of guarantee. I <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so hydration's huge for me. Sorry, I kind of got off on a little soapbox there. Um, game changing for me. It might not be for you. Okay. But another one too is poor sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're more likely to cramp. Um, a lot of times people that have poor sleep before a race are more likely to have cramp during that race. Is that, again, and, just another, that leads to premature fatigue? Is that probably the same? Oh, yeah. All of these, like, all of these So lead. that's the, all of these fall in that All of these things, like, basically I've been talking about, or, right? like, ultimately cause you to get fatigued quicker, okay. which the fatigue is more likely to cause your Heat, muscle. dehydration, lack of sleep, all lead to all, premature fatigue. Premature fatigue predisposes you. Yeah. Predisposes you to cramp. Pre- <laughs> it gets funnier every time. <laughs> And another one too is like poor bike posture. Oh, okay. You know, if your seat's too high, like I've noticed a lot of kids that have their seats too high, get calf cramps. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah. You know, a lot of people with seats that are too low might get hamstring cramps. Interesting. Um, You know, so that's, that's another factor, you know, and the, and the thing is, like I said, is like, it might not just be one of these things, but usually if I have like, you know, if I have like, I didn't sleep well, and I'm slightly dehydrated and I'm going really, really hard at a race, right. then I'm likely to cramp. Okay. But by eliminating as many of these things as possible, it, it basically just pushes your cramping threshold out a ways. And, and it also makes it so you have a better performance too. I mean, all right. of these things, if you address these things, yeah. even if you're not a cramper, yeah. you're going to have a better race and a better performance. It's like worst case scenario, you just end up being a healthier person anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, so those are just some of the factors that lead to, that help cause fatigue, which fatigue can cause cramping. There's there's a few other things that I thought were kind of interesting too. And one is adrenaline. Uh, so this earlier, when we talked about in a race versus not, this is something that came up in our conversation yesterday that there is a difference between cramping in a race and how likely you are to cramp in just a well, normal that's, hard ride. That's, that's another thing. So adrenaline is more like, so like in this last race, I haven't cramped in a race other than point to point for a long time. Like okay. I've been able to kind of keep it at bay. I've gotten close, but I've been able to keep it at bay. Um, this last race, I actually cramped because I was trying to go up a switchback and I kind of fell over in front of somebody and and as I was falling down, my leg cramped, like just suddenly cramped, bam. Oh, and so the rest of the race, I was kind of toast, yeah. you know, it kind of sucked. Um, but I've, I've had a time where I was in Corner Canyon night riding once, my, my handlebar hit a, hit a branch and it twisted my handlebar around and I cramped. Like in the air, like I cramped, like while I was flying through the air, it just like, it was like insult to injury, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, so... So adrenaline can cause people to cramp. Like a lot of times people, if they jump into really, really cold water can cramp. But the, the last one that I thought was super interesting is, and I got thinking about it is anxiety can make you more susceptible to cramping. It can make you susceptible and predisposed. (laughs) Are you susceptible to being predisposed? (laughs) Oh, Joe, you know, I've had a hard little go I'm, lately. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Dan. That's the only thing I can contribute to this podcast <laughs> is being a douche. <laughs> but yeah, anxiety, cause I got thinking about it, you know, my personal experience with cramping, it almost exclusively happens during races or if I'm riding with people that I was really almost wanting to impress or something, you know, it's, it's, 
it's never like I'm out on my own doing a hard ride or riding with yeah that that it happens it's it's almost always in a race and they say that that added anxiety is is a can be and they're they're studying this is something that's kind of an emerging field of study is how that can actually relate to cramping which totally makes sense for me because like I'll look at like the some of the time and zones that I've been spending in a race that I cramp and I'm like I do harder stuff than that when I'm doing a hard workout you know and and didn't cramp during a hard workout you know right right so the anxiety is just kind of a huge a really interesting factor that I did I wasn't too aware of but now that I'm thinking about it I'm like that really Hmm. makes a lot of sense interesting okay so yeah so like for me um kind of the recipe for cramping for me is you know it's like usually if it's a hot day if it's a race if um if I've had bad sleep if I'm not eating regularly on the bike and um you know before I started using good hydration and salt tablets on you know I only use the salt tablets as needed you know I don't use salt tablets when it's 70 degrees outside you know i use it when it's a long hard hot race using those fat playing fast and loose with salt tablets probably pretty bad for your health huh i mean i wouldn't use them all the time but you know during a race you'll probably just pee out the excess sodium if you take too much but um i do have i i have the potential of high blood pressure so i wouldn't just yeah overdo the salt like throughout the day you know this is just something i would do on a long hard hot event kind of thing because it sounds Um, like what you're saying here is there's not an easy quick fix to stop cramping other than minimizing certain conditions essentially right yeah basically if i you know if i pay attention to those things you know if i um well let's just talk about preventing cramps because there's one that's like that's super important that I think I'm going to start like, you know, this is something I'm always encouraging other people to do, but not great at myself is one thing that can greatly reduce your chances of cramping is strength training. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like lifting weights off the bike. And, um, you know, a lot of pro cyclists that have had trouble with cramping have found just tremendous results with adding strength training to their, to their regimen to, it basically just makes the muscles more cramp resistant. Interesting. Because a lot of times it's weak, like weakened muscles that cramp. Like usually when I cramp, it'll be like my inner thigh. Right. Um, because it's a, it's a relatively weak muscle Okay. that um, is getting more use than it, because other muscles are fatiguing, it starts getting used. Because it makes sense that like a stronger muscle takes longer to fatigue. It's yeah. essentially why strength training helps. Yeah, out, so right? strength training is a huge one. Um, obviously, going out and getting a medical evaluation. If you're a cramper, you know, go get some blood work done and see if there's something going on okay. under the hood. May or may not be, but go check. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about training specificity. You know, if you're planning to do point to point, you need to go do some long rides. You know, you need, if you're, you know, if you're doing like, like long eye cup races, you know, you've got to do a lot of VO2 max work, you know, a lot of three to five minute efforts repeated. Um, you know, you really just have to make sure your training is getting your body ready for what you're going to be doing during the race. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious there. Simple. Um, Intuitive. I, I do think that polarized training is really good at helping prevent cramping because one you get a lot of volume right because a lot of times like people cramp because of 
like ex, like excessive volume or excessive intensity or sometimes a combination of both. And if you're polarizing, if you're, you're polarized, yeah, you're getting a lot of volume, you're getting a lot, a of, lot of time on the bike, but you're also getting some really hard intensity too. And I think the combination of those things is going to make you more cramp resistant. Um, hydration is, I think it's huge. I think a lot of people downplay it a little bit now because of the emerging science and, and I get that, but if nothing else, if you are well hydrated, you're going to have better performance. You should be hydrated anyway. Exactly. It's not like there's, this is, this is not the only reason that you should hydrate, right? Yeah. In fact, I was kind of reading on, on Scratch Labs webpage, you know, Alan Lim had some interesting things to say about cramping, but he first of all said, he's like, Scratch does not prevent cramping. You know, it, it helps you hydrate better. And so, but yeah, so for me, I think hydrating well helps prevent cramps, but I think for anybody, it's going to help you perform better and stay cooler. So... And, and then just nutrition, like, um, like feeding on the bike constantly coming into a race with your, with your glycogen stores topped off eating right before you start eating every 20 minutes, half hour, you know, just eat, eat, eat on the bike. I guess, I mean, that does make sense, but somebody's going to be listening to this and they're going to wonder, okay, so I've cramped. I've, whatever's happened. I am cramping. Once you've cramped, is there much you can do? It's a really good question, and I probably should have talked about this already, but yes, there are things you can do. First of all, like um, before you cramp, you can usually feel them coming on unless it's like an adrenaline-induced cramp, you know, then they just kind of come on suddenly. But like usually if it's like, you know, you're riding hard, you're, you're chasing someone up a hill, you can kind of start to feel this little twitch. And if you feel that little twitch, you just need to back off your intensity a little bit. And I, I still feel that twitch all the time. And I usually just like, no, okay, I need to back it off a little bit. Um, if, if you feel that twitch, you back it off for a while, you do a descent, you recover, you're almost kind of good to go for a little while, you know? So I think the first thing is kind of recognizing that twitch and just backing off and don't let it go into a full blown cramp. That's the first one. So, if you actually do go into a full-blown cramp, the a really, really effective treatment for cramping is just stretching it. Be okay. Yeah, because stretching, it basically will reactivate that Golgi tendon organ that's responsible for relaxing the muscle. The problem is, is it takes about a minute of stretching for that to happen. And mm. a lot of times in a race, you don't want to go stop for a minute right. and, and stretch it. And, but it, it is really, really effective to, you know, if you can, if you, if you have a cramp coming on, stretch it for a minute. A lot of times if you caught it early enough, it goes away. And that minute is probably worthwhile to spend, get the cramp to go away instead of hobbling through the rest of the race with one leg. Essentially, yeah, I right? think so. Like if it's my, and like if it's my calf cramping, like it's easy to stretch it on a descent. You right, know, you just can, let your heel drop really hard. You know, if it's a quad, that's a little more difficult. So, um, so yeah, stretching is very, very effective. Um, massage it can also be effective. I don't think it's as effective as, as yeah. stretching. Stretching is kind of the, the, 
the method of choice to get rid of a cramp and it works for sure. And if nothing else, a cramp will self-resolve, right? Yeah, eventually. eventually. But um, it's kind of like once you start cramping, it's game over. It's kind of game over. Yeah. So, okay. Unless you've had like a really long time to recover. Like if you have a really long descent, you might be able to go a little bit, but, a little but truthfully. But, the answer is don't cramp. Do yeah. Prevention's way, way better. Okay. Now there's, um, we should probably talk about pickle juice. Okay. I think most people know about pickle juice. And okay. What's your, like, when you, like, what do you think pickle juice's role is in cramp? The, the only thing I've heard is, is some version of it shocks your muscles into being not cramped anymore. Yeah. It, it basically sends, you know, like if you bite in a, le- like in a lemon, it automatically causes your face to kind of. Yeah. Or you're like, your nose clears up really quick or yeah, you know, garlic or something. It just basically replaces those signals, those errant signals to your muscles with stronger signals. Okay. That, you know, it, it, um, it basically just diverts some of the brain signals to something more important okay. rather than, yeah, you know, it, it's in a lot of people think it's the sodium in pickle juice that, that helps relieve. And that's not the case. And it does in pickle juice also, it really doesn't prevent cramps. Um, you know, you don't like drink pickle juice to avoid cramping. It's something that you would take once you kind of start feeling some of the twinging coming on. Right. You could probably, you could maybe take some and it, it could. And, and the thing is, it's interesting because pickle juice is pretty well studied. Yeah. And the evidence is, is fairly clear that it works fairly well. My experience with pickle juice has been it's useless. I don't know. It's just, it's always I, struck me as one of those like stupid, like a shark tanky kind of product. Well, no, I mean, no, I mean, you can just like drink the pickle juice from a pickle jar at the store. You don't, it's right. not it's like, but really the evidence is pretty good that it really? does help. I think it reduces the duration of a cramp by like 30%, which to me, that's kind of like, mm. that's still about 70% again, too our, long. Our pro- yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I, I have tried pickle juice myself. And it kind of like, like the way I described it is like, it made me throw, it made me want to throw up while I was cramping. Mm. Right? You know? Hey, you know, I mean, like, is, is that an improvement? Maybe. I don't you know. You know, and some people like the taste the of it. Anymore. It apparently does help. It didn't help me much, but I've heard that like some products, like for some people, it's not strong enough. It doesn't send a strong enough signal. And so there's like hot shots which is like cayenne pep, but I've heard one of the best things to try is like, like the mustard packets you can get like, Oh, at really? McDonald's like and a Heinz mustard packet. Yeah. Like really, I've heard those work really, really well. It's, it's essentially kind of, any really strong flavor. Right? Yeah. They kind of just, like you say, just kind of shocks your system. Um, worth a try. I guess it does work for a lot of people. Didn't work well for me. I I'm curious to try like hot shots or something a little stronger. Basically knock yourself out, but eh, yeah. So, okay. but really just don't cramp. Try to do whatever you can to minimize the instance of, of cramping is, is your take on it essentially. Right? Yeah. Basically like, like we said, it's a recipe. So the more things you can do, like get good sleep, you know, hydrate well, make sure you're fueled well, um, massage before, you know, like using massage as part of your recovery process can help keep your muscles feeling well, you know, make sure that you're, um, you know, rest it up before races. Like a lot of times people tend to cramp more if they haven't um, 
tapered for a race or if they, you know, if they come into a race fatigued, they're more likely to cramp. So I, I guess just cramp prevent, prevention really would even help non-crampers. You know, the, it's like the things you do to prevent cramps are probably just going to make you go faster. You anyway. practice anyway, right? You yeah. may as well. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, so yeah, so dehydration is not the primary cause of cramping as Gatorade would like you to think it is. Fatigue is probably the most common reason for exercise associated muscle cramps. So if you can do things to um, just to make keep it so fatigue at bay, keep, yeah, keep fatigue at bay, you're probably going to be less likely to cramp. So. Um, like I say, my I'm I'm actually worried because tomorrow I'm going on a really big ride with some friends, and like like this last month has just been really hectic for me. I've got all these moving injuries from moving furniture. Like every, my everything hurts. I haven't been riding as much. I'm really, you're like almost like it's it like lab conditions for you to cramp. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm like I'm like just warning the people I'm riding with. I probably will cramp because I've been I haven't been sleeping as much. You know, I. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely gonna bring my salt tablets this time though but so we'll, we'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers for tomorrow dan um as always if you folks have any questions you know where to send them and uh make sure to uh ride a lot hydrate uh sleep, sleep stretch stretch don't cramp drink pickle juice if you think it's gonna help yeah, especially if you're predisposed <laughs> we'll talk to you next week <laughs>